You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I think if we all just overall stop thinking about failure as like there's something to be so scared about, that being open to these small failures um, it's not like it, it, there, it's not a binary choice. Either you fail or you succeed. It's like every day you're making small failures. There's things you could do better, but it's be- how you do those and how you learn from them that like make you better. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Was It Chance, the podcast about embracing opportunity and taking intentional risk for your creative life. I'm Heather Vickery. And I'm an AI-generated clone of Alan Seals. (laughs) Heather and I started off as two perfect strangers who met by chance and embraced opportunity. Listen in as we chat with other successful people about the risks they've taken to put themselves on a path to creative success. (laughs) Heather! Wait! Stop. That really was an AI generated, which all of you can tell because it didn't say, and I'm <laughs> And what you guys couldn't see was Alan drinking his water and shocking me and our guest because he wasn't doing the intro. Should that I feels do, apropos. And I, and I really am so excited. I did this very specifically for a reason. And, and I want to get into uh, with our guest, which you'll introduce for us, Heather, in a second. Uh, how you make it sound like it has a soul and that's what's missing and i really and i'm being completely serious here is because it's the difference between and i'm alan seals versus and i'm alan seals and this is an ai clone like there is a very big difference in my mind some people talk like that but anyway we'll get into this but you don't heather i know i don't heather who is our guest (laughs) i know i'm excited too and people are like i'm so confused what's happening right now why is this relevant well let me tell you why. So our guest today is Drew Stern. He is a formal, for, blip, 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 easy for me to say, former <laughs> musical theater actor turned award-winning technology CEO with not one, not two, but three high growth tech exits in the last decade. And I really like that differentiation in his bio because we're going to talk about you know, embracing that chance there. Drew has an impressive track record of embracing intentional risk for creative success. He is currently serving as the CEO and co-founder of Stageo AI, the world's first digital marketplace and AI engine connecting stage performers with supporters through unique content and experience, hence Alan's AI intro. Drew's innovative spirit and leadership have not gone unnoticed by the public. He's been acknowledged with accolades such as the most influential CEO 2023 in U.S. digital performances by CEO Monthly. He's on a 40 under 40 list by M&A Advisor and recognized as the winner of the U.S. Legal Tech Venture Competition. And he's been celebrated as a notable LGBTQ exec and a notable entrepreneur by Crane's Business Chicago, bringing Chicago home. Drew's educational journey is equally impressive, holding an MBA from the prestigious NYU Stern School of Business and a master's degree in musical theater from NYU. Holy fuck, Drew, 
Welcome to Was a Chance. <laughs> Thank you. Hi. Great to meet you both. <laughs> so I want to start with your background in musical theater, because that's, of course, that's yeah, what I, stage that's hands. what I like. Stay, oh, is it stagehands? Oh, we're uh, doing stagehands now. Definitely stagehands. Oh, oh, oh like, I thought you were a stagehand. Yes, stagehands, jazz hands. Jazz yeah, so, hands. So what, what's your background in, um, in theater and tech? Because as one who also has a background in theater and tech, there are very few of us. And I love it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I'd really say like my career really had two phases. I mean, I grew up in a performing household. Um, I grew up in Southwest Florida. Um, all of my siblings, I'm the youngest of five. They were all in the band and did musical theater and all sorts of things. And I just followed in that footstep. So um, I actually went to a performing arts high school and um, in college, I actually went to the New England Conservatory and Tufts University in a double degree program. So I actually studied opera. Wow. And then I really love musical theater. So um, I actually didn't finish the conservatory. I didn't want to be an opera singer. I decided I was going to go right into uh, musical theater. So I went to NYU and got my master's in musical theater. And then was a professional musical theater actor in New York City. I'm a member of Actors' Equity and did some show, did shows in New York and regionally. So that was really like my first career. So it was really, um, you know, you could put it into like two chapters. I, at that point, would have never told you that I was going to go in tech or be technical at all. I mean, I think I'm definitely like Gen XY, right? Like my first email address was when I got to college. So I was not <laughs> super too. technically savvy, right? Um <laughs> But I think, you know, I loved being creative and I loved um, exploring. So interesting, as we all know, my side hustle when I was an actor, which we could get to side hustles, which is a lot around what oh, we're doing yeah. on Stagio. Um, I actually worked in TV and concert production because I'd done a lot of like theater production in college. So I uh, did TV and concert production, worked on all these really cool big productions. And I was like, you know what? I love acting. I love the craft. I didn't love the life. And I was really kind of bitten by this like business bug. So I was like, you know, let me see about what my options are. And actually that's when I went back to business school. Um, so I went to NYU Stern, but while at school, you know, never before I had, I had all these like companies like coming to interview and all this like kind of opportunity that was never placed on my feet. So I was like, you know what, let me, I can always come back to the arts and bring my business acumen back to the arts, but let me explore what I could do with the other skills that I have that I never explored. So that's when I actually moved into tech. So um, since business school, I've spent my entire career in tech and product and innovation and creating new things for the world, mostly in B2B, um, business to business uh, productivity tools. So that's kind of those two chapters of how I got from musical theater to technology. I think that's really cool. So what I'm hearing you say is this tech thing sort of showed up as an opportunity to embrace chance and like, let's just see what this is. Do they light you up in any similar ways, theater and tech? Totally. Yeah, I was. And what's super interesting, particularly as an entrepreneur, like in the entrepreneurial journey and creating is when you start a production, you walk into a completely blank space, right? It's an empty stage, an empty set. It's a script on paper and notes on a page and you breathe life into it with a team. And that's a lot what being an entrepreneur is, is I have an idea, I wanna create something and you don't do it alone. You do it with a team 
and you kind of take this white space and you create something out of it. So there, those similarities are completely in parallel. And I actually always say, if you ever want to be an entrepreneur and be a successful CEO or leader, go put on a play or a musical hmm. because it's all about trust. It's all about creativity. It's about trusting the people you work with. It's about being a team player. It's about listening. And that's what makes a great show. And it's also what makes a great startup company. I absolutely can relate with this. And it, I think it's, <laughs> it's a mindset of, uh, there's an em- there's a big empty okay there's there's side A and side B on opposite sides and they need to talk to each other or they should be talking to each other most people will not notice that they need to be talking to each other or if they should or if they do don't realize how to get the two sides to be talking to each other and then you've got this mindset of just like of figuring out how to lay the paths or if it's a forest you figure out how to trim the trees to like navigate through and figure out how to get side one to side two or side A to side B, depending on which metaphor you're sticking with. And um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> in the morning, it is in the morning here. So uh, anyway, I, I can totally get that because are you, are you similar in that way to um, what I, or I guess how I think you are in that uh, you, you just have this mind for being able to put pieces together and connect people and things who need to be, who you feel are like if this person C knew about person D because we're sticking with letters now. If person C <laughs> knew about person D, then person E would benefit, or all all of the alphabet would be that much greater. Yeah. So I'm not sure, Alan, which of those metaphors to follow. But <laughs> maybe I'll take it's, a cho- it's a choose your own adventure. <laughs> choose your own adventure. Yeah. So it's okay. In that, I'm going to page. Um, I'm going to look at page the uh, page two thirty five on okay, the choose it. your own adventure. <laughs> And I'm sure only like half of the listeners will have any idea what we're talking about because I feel like you have to be a child of a certain generation to do Choose Your Own Adventure. But I'm going to pick the forest and the trees <laughs> example. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's like, you know, to put on to put on a great musical or to put to um, start your own company, uh, you really need to be able to see the forest and the trees in that like you need to be able to see the grand vision the whole forest, but then you also have to be able to like blaze your path to get there. And the people that you need to pull in to get that done, you know, no entrepreneur could do anything on their own. It is a total team effort um, across the board. And then it's also in in the same ways that like, you need to be super self-aware of yourself on stage. You need to be super self-aware of yourself as in business as to like, okay, I'm really good at these things, but I'm not good at these things. So I got to get a designer to come in and I got to get somebody that can build to come in and I need to talk to a lawyer and I need a finance person. Like all the things that I know personally that I need support on, I need to need to pull in. So it's very similar in that way. Like, you know, it's, I, nothing prepared me as much for, for being an entrepreneur as being, um, a, you know, actor. Oh, and also, I mean, talk about fundraising and rejection. (laughs) It's just like auditioning, by the way. And as well as, um, as just kind of, um, creativity and just taking a chance and knowing you might be open to failing are very similar. How do you deal with that then? If, if you know, you've got this great idea and all it takes is just one person who's gonna, who needs to be that angel investor or give that little investment to push it over the finish line and you just can't get there. Is that, uh, is that a challenge that's exciting? Is it frustrating? Do you, 
do you you know have a spot on the wall that's worn smooth from banging your head on it like how does how does that work so uh venture capital frustrating is in yeah, fundraising is incredibly <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> Did I call nice it? Yes, exactly. Was that a Freudian <laughs> No, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. It is literally, it is like auditioning. I mean, for any of those, anybody who's been out there that's auditioned, like you go and like, you're like, I think I'm amazing for this role. And then they like, look at you and they say goodbye. You know, like, <laughs> you're like, you don't even have to even open your mouth. Right. So like there, there's so, so many parallels. Um, in just like, you know, I mean, I guess, you, you know, you could almost look at like VCs almost like they're in the same as directors and like they have a vision of the, for their portfolio and you may or you may be great. You may have great ideas. You might just not fit into their vision for what like they want to spend their money on in the same way that like you might think you're great for a role. You might think you're great for um, this production that's going up, but you just don't fit into that producer's or director's vision. Um, so that there's a lot of rejection. It's a lot of pounding the pavement in the same way. Um, I think had I had the like stick to itness and in the same way as I have um, as an entrepreneur, as had I had that when I was younger as an actor and had those life lessons. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'd still be acting. <laughs> but I mean, that's what life lessons are, right? We don't we don't know them till we've lived them. So <laughs> things, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I have a theory that you're a manifester in human design. I don't know if you know what human design is or if you know that, but I say that because manifestors are designed to birth new things into the world and then walk away. And your bio says three tech exits, which meant you built something badass and you sold it and you walked away. So I would love to talk about that and the chance that comes into that and, and why the building and, and walking away and all of that. Yeah. You know, I think it, one of the kind of goals of being in technology or like startup technology is doing that is like taking ideas, um, building and exiting and like taking a bow out. Um, and, you know, so one of those exits was mine, so like my own personal company. And then two of those exits were with, with other companies where I was in, um, on the team and on leadership team, but definitely part of kind of building those. Um, I think, I, I, I think the manifesting is exactly it, particularly when you talk about creating something from zero. But even when I was on the team and I had to create sections of that big, big vision as well, or lead parts of that big vision, which is you need to be able to see the future. Mm. You need to be able to like make it happen, manifest it. And then, you know, you re you reach your goal. And sometimes, you know, it's like the show must come to an end, right? The show's closing. It was a great run people. And then you take, you bow out. So it's, um, I, I think because I have that show background, A, I have a, a, probably a higher degree and appetite for risk than most people uh, when it comes to like business, um, like calculated risk. But then also I like to kind of reach the end of the show, reach the end of the company and then go on and then go do something else again. Um, however, now that I'm a little bit older, I am starting to look at like, okay, how do I join some, do something that I could do for a, very, a long time or join something to do for a long time and, and kind of be in it, be uh, the long haul. So maybe some life lessons there too. It is very tiring being um, in entrepreneurship solely. <laughs> it it is in the long haul, like that drive, that like there's something to 
I feel my partner and I were talking about this, who that's how we know Drew. That's how we got introduced through my partner, Bernadette. She's like, man, I love this idea of building something and then just walking away from it. Like, and it lives on without me. And uh, that's like the dream. But most people can't do that because there's, of ego. There's ego, there, like there's ego, I think. Like it's your baby. In not you walking have, away? In not walking away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, there's part of that. <laughs> it, it is hard, right? Like you have your vision. So, so being acquired is super, it's a very odd experience. Cause like it's the goal, but then all of a sudden, like, you know, you're one day making all of the decisions and really master of your own destiny. And then all of a sudden you have a boss and they're telling you what the vision and the destiny is. Right. So you've manifested it, but then the manifestation totally changes and it is a super challenging experience. Um, but humbling as well. So it is, you have to kind of place that ego at the door. I'm sure there were times that that was challenging for me and for folks I've worked with as well. So, but you have to say like, okay, this isn't, I might've done things differently, but this is where we are (laughs) and move forward. (laughs) So let's talk about your own company that you, Mm -hmm. that got acquired. Um, Can you sort of talk us through that intentional risk phase there? Mm -hmm. So focusing back on, was it chance? Like, was it chance? Did you fall into something or what did you intentionally do? to create that opportunity? Yeah. You know, I, I actually think it's a little bit of a combo of like intentionality and chance. Mm. So, so to understand how I got to even being in a place where I felt comfortable to take a chance. Um, so out of business school, I started into technology, as we mentioned before, and um, went to American Express, was in a product development team, and then went to very early on in social media, went to a company in New York called uh, Buddy Media, which I joined pretty early and did all these. We were one of the first companies that helped businesses on social media. And this was like when Facebook didn't even have APIs yet. Hmm. It was super early, but we... You know, I was given a lot more responsibility probably than I should have had two years out of business school, but I did deals with Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. And wow. um, I learned a lot. I did an acquisition, I led an acquisition of an um, ads API company. So I did a lot and I learned a lot. We're going to take a quick break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. And now we're back. So then when um, we were acquired by Salesforce, that was one of the acquisitions. So it's now Salesforce Marketing Cloud, or part of Salesforce Marketing Cloud. And then kind of realized that I had learned a lot of like, how do you grow a company from, you know, a small platform to something that's that's really big. And the chance part was, um, you know, having the idea. So with my husband um, for our company, Esquify. So essentially my husband, Scott, is... Uh, an attorney by background. And at the time, um, there was, you know, started off as a dinner conversation really um, around a gap in that, in the marketplace around not to get too in the weeds for everyone on the line, because this is like legal (laughs) technology. So I don't want to go like too deep, but basically like there were all these people sitting around looking at documents and it was in kind of a very antiquated way. They were looking at them almost like you're in a, like a, SAT testing center, like at a computer, like banks and banks of computers and everyone was like looking at them and nobody knew what was going on and always communicating. Right. Um, so we had this, you know, idea, um, together with a, with a business partner to create 
a platform um, that allowed for all of these people reviewing documents to work from home in a supervised collaborative environment. So we utilized artificial intelligence and machine learning to virtually, this is where the pandemic comes in, virtually supervise and understand how people were working at home so they could work at home in a secured environment and created a communication and analytics platform to monitor and understand all of that. So it was kind of this combination of like, had the background, but then it was the idea, it was like the spark. And then having the confidence in the background to take the chance. So like, see how they kind of all connect yeah. together? You've got to have <laughs> so the that, confidence that's to what take happened. the chance. Absolutely. I was going right. yeah, to ask about the timing behind it because you, you and, but then you mentioned pandemic because machine learning and AI are relatively new. I mean, they're brand new in the scheme of the internet, right? Mm. And, and uh, I mean, were you using, were you using TensorFlow with Google for the ML stuff or did you have so, your own platform? So, so, I mean, I think like anything, and I think AI is like having its first moment right now in the minds of most people um, because is. of generative AI and chat GTP. But this was before that. So we actually have our own had it sold with the company um, patented um, machine learning technology that helped us understand what people, how people were working. Wow. And we actually sold before the pandemic things that you don't know that are going to happen are global pandemics that are going to send everyone home working online and needing a supervised collaborative environment. Things you don't know. <laughs> so like what you're saying um, is if you had waited until during the pandemic, you would have sold for $600 trillion more. <laughs> things you wish you'd known. <laughs> things, things we wish we'd known. However, I do have to say like re regardless, so like the technology that we created at the new company that, that acquiring company allowed us to, um, send all of our attorneys, like hundreds, I think five, six, maybe even a thousand, I don't even know what it was at the time, attorneys from in office to at home overnight and not miss that's, a beat. And awesome. actually we increased productivity. So it was, it was, it was, it had its moment and it allowed us as a company to be successful. And then that company went on, went on to be acquired as well. So, of um, you know, all of these, all of these pieces come together. But so back to the like AI question, this was, this was um, not generative AI. Generative AI is, is like a leap, if you will, in, in technology capabilities. Um, and I think now that it's something that like everyone can use in a way that they understand, that's why people are understanding what it is. Where, whereas before, I think folks have been interacting with AI and machine learning all along. For example, when you call would call into a phone line and talk to like a chat bot, it was listening to you, it was making decisions and it was getting you to the right place. Um, there's, there's earlier elements of that in there. Did you ever hop up, try? Okay, I'll, I'll start again. Did you ever <laughs> think about jumping on the NFT bandwagon? Yeah, so that's kind of actually how we started um, um, Stadio. Um, oh, nice segue, Alan. Yeah, yes. so nice segue. <laughs> so, and we actually do have an offering. I think we, we you know, we more call them digital collectibles. Um, the, our company, yes. So, you know, I love technology and I love exploring. So, um, and new technologies and, you know, blockchain and the world of NFTs. I, I actually still think it's super exciting. The answer is yes. Um, have definitely explored and we, we could chat more about that too. I would love to hear how that led yeah. into Stagio. And, um, and I'm curious if it was just kind of random or if you had craved having 
a reconnection to theater specifically as well? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of both. So after I sold my company, um, and then the, I stayed for a couple of years, um, through kind of through the majority of the pandemic and the company that acquired us, um, went through a merger acquisition and I, it was a great ride, but like going from like an idea of zero, it was like seven years later, I was tired. Um, and you know, I found myself in this area. I consider myself a technologist just more broadly. And I found myself very squarely in legal tech and wanted to get back to exploring other areas. So after this, the second acquisition, I took a sabbatical. I took six months off. It was like at the, towards the end of the pandemic, um, I was burnt out and sat back and thought about what motivated me. Like, what are the things in my life that give me passion and give me drive? One was technology and the other was arts and performing arts um, that I re remember I mentioned earlier that like I always had every intention of like making it back to performing arts. Mm -hmm. I just hadn't made that circle. So uh, simultaneously, and I know we all saw this and I, I've listened to the podcast, you know, that's come up as well is like during the pandemic, um, performing artists, artists in general, but performing artists in particular were really struggling, mm -hmm. not just Broadway, not just theater actors, but musicians, comedians, anybody, right? You make your money, you do your craft in front of other people. Um, and that was really troubling to me and really sat back and started to think about how could we, how could I combine the two loves of my life you know, performing arts and technology into a way that kind of brought opportunity into the world. So Stadio was really built um, and still is on, on a mission to build agency equity and access around performing arts. And that's kind of the umbrella mission of all the type, all the things we're doing. So we're still in beta. So we're still early. We launched our beta um, about six or seven months ago. So this is still pretty early. But um, we're doing that in a couple different ways. So the first one was around uh, blockchain, NFTs, and digital collectibles. So that's actually where we started, yeah. which was when we were entering this, this world of building agency. But what we were seeing is all these visual digital artists were able to monetize their craft in a way they never had before. And we saw that as an opportunity for stage actors and that there was a need and a want for a authentic connection between patrons and arts lovers and the artists that they love. So we actually created a technology that allowed for, and I, I don't like the word NFT, so I'm going to just drop it here and just use digital collectibles because there's some differences, but, but essentially for, artists to create video uh, digital collectibles. So essentially to tokenize and assetize a video performance. And so we allow for uh, performing artists of all kinds. So we have, you know, opera singers, uh, musicians, musical theater, um, actors, um, folks doing monologues, spoken word to record a performance and then to sell it to their fans. Um, and we're, and, we kind of take away all the, all the hard parts of doing that 
um, and understanding how the technology works for both the artists and the patron. So that is in beta um, and we continue. But as mentioned, I think that market has softened a little bit. So we're also doing some other things as well. Well, I'm just looking at, you know, I'm looking at the website here and you've got, you've got these digital collectibles. I enjoy the idea of getting rid of the term NFT because I think it has some negative mojo around it. It's just it totally been, does. Yeah. It's been in the news in, yeah. in not a good way after it was in the news for a, a WTF way. And, and yeah. people, people don't understand it. And the people who are going to want this, want this content are not, are not going to understand it. So smart. Good on you for and the rebranding because yeah. it makes a lot you know more what sense. It is? And, and this, is, this is the problem. It's like, it's like you know, I'm in Chica- we're in Chicago. Um, Heather and I, I could drive from Chicago to St. Louis and in a Ferrari and the Ferrari is like amazing technology. But if I hop in that car and I'm drunk, um, I'll probably going to get in a crash. Right. But um, if I hop in that car and I'm not drunk and I am a sensible driver, we'll get there. And I think what's happened with NFTs, with uh, Web3 and blockchain um, is you had some people that got in the car and that were reckless. It's not the Ferrari's fault. That technology is great um, and it's going to be there. Um, I think it needs a rebrand. It needs a refresh. It needs a few minutes. But I think I think we're going to end up seeing it. And I think a lot of us are going to end up interacting with it and not even knowing that we're interacting with it. That's, That's interesting. fascinating thing. Spe- speaking of reckless, yeah, we're recording this the day after Twitter was rebranded to X, and we can just leave that there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, which is a wild <laughs> shit show to watch from a distance. Which is, yes, a definitely. I'm just waiting for my app to update. In which, I, anyway, all right, I said I'd leave oh, it. I I'm going to leave it. Oh, I don't want to get off. I did look at it this morning, and I was like, is the app going to update? And I haven't seen it update yet. Find me on threads, y'all. Find me on threads. Threads for the win, as much as Zuckerberg is also a D bag. Zuck does uh, suck, and yeah. that rhymed. I'm a poet, and I didn't even know it. I it doing the time. whole '80s '90s throwback. I figured I had yeah. when, when you when you chose the forest through the trees, and then you had to blaze a path. I was like, Smokey the Bear would not like that. You can't blaze oh, a path no. in the forest. No. No. Well, you're not blazing in the forest, I man. Know, Come on. Ellen, it was a joke. Come on. It's a throwback I mean, reference. Can... Anyway. It is. Um, so then uh, <laughs> I know it was a throwback reference. We're all the same age or older than each other. We're all, we're all younger or older than each other. True fact. We're all older uh, or younger. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> true fact. See what I have uh, to deal with? How do you go about for Stageo? Uh, do it's Stageo beta right now, stageo.com. I'm looking at it right now. And yep. there's some really interesting things in the marketplace. And, and like you said, it's, it's um, a lot of uh, singers. And are you like, are you, are you trying to find, um, is it end goal to find performances to, to have people sell their performances um, uh, from all genres or just like so singing or dancing? Yeah, so so and we do have we have dance some dancers on there. So so as mentioned, so we're in in beta, um, and part of being in beta is really being a test kitchen for understanding technology and understanding how people engage in that technology. So we still we have this product. We're actually shifting our focus a little bit as well with the advent of generative AI as well to being um, we're working on some some new things that are going to come out shortly, but that are more focused on how patrons um, connect with art and artists. So one of the things we just did recently, uh, we did two things, but um, the first thing we did um, was actually for Chicago Pride, was we created a generative AI 
chatbot, if you will, that would help anyone looking for um, how to celebrate Pride or any events to find and to find what to do. So if you were coming to Chicago for the first time and saying, like, what should I go to? Or are there any women's events? Um, or are there any family events? Or what should I do? What days? Like, it would just help you do it. With the premise that a lot of us all look for, like, to, like, that one friend of, like, hey, what should I? I'm going to be in New York this weekend. What should I go do? And that some of us don't have that one person. Or maybe cool. that one person isn't available. So within that whole mission of, like, providing access, agency, and equity, Technology is the great equalizer. So could we utilize um, technology to equalize access and knowledge um, about things that are going on and how to access technology? So so we did that for Pride. And then we recently did a hackathon um, where we um, took all of the Broadway shows that are happening on Broadway, many of which I've seen. Um, and we actually trained in AI engines to help you find the right show for you. So a personalized a personalized approach to like, what should I go see next on Broadway? So some of the things that we're doing are really around connecting patrons to, to cultural experiences. And that's what we're focused on as well. It will actually tie into the, to the digital collectibles piece as well. Cause you know, I think a lot of us, we get to a show and we're like in those like four minutes before the curtain goes up, like reading the playbill, like, who is this? What am I seeing? Well, what if we could connect you with those artists before you ever sit down in that theater? So this is the grand vision of where we're headed. That's incredible. And so I guess what, what part of you grasps onto these opportunities? And there is so much, there's so much in the world of AI and so much in the world of, of, uh, equalizing people, as you were saying, in terms of uh, across the tech. I love using the, it for good because people are yeah. afraid of it being evil, and that is a way to use it for good. I'm yes, sorry. yes, and yeah, and well, how how and, are you and, how are you deciding which project to go on right now? Because there is so much you can do, and I know if you're anything like me, which I know you are, there you're having trouble <laughs> deciding what to focus on and what to tackle first. So. You know, I, and I think that's part of, of, of being an entrepreneur is you just have to like envision trust and like also understand your like your resources and your capabilities. So it's like kind of like this Rubik's Cube of like different pieces that come together on that. But, um, you know, we're we're squarely exploring this this AI piece um, right now. And I think what's what's a really great opportunity is because um I've had some successes in the past. It's given me some cover to just kind of have time to go and test things out. Also, I should say my co-founder, Stephen Tchaikovsky, is an incredible technologist. He's a former executive from Facebook and he's and he's worked at Publicis and he's incredible. And together I have a great I have a great partner to allow us to explore. And a lot of it has to do with both of our domain expertise. So when we were coming together, Stephen um, was building in the Web3 space, so it made sense. Um, he's also now building in the AI space. So together, we pull together our collective skills, and that helps us decide what to go after. Um, but I should say for both of us, this is a, a passion project, um, and it's something that we're lucky that we get to work on and build. And And you know, we're still in beta, so we're able to kind of test and learn and, and continue to put things out there in a, in a very scrappy, fast way, which is is nice. We don't have to please any investors. We don't have to go plan to go off and sell this um, to someone else. 
we could just do the things that we want to do. So is this the one that you think you might want to stick with at this stage, not knowing what's going to unfold? We'll see. We'll see. I think um, <laughs> we're, I think this is, a pa- this is a passion project. I do think, unfortunately, we live in a world, and I think this is unfortunate, where we are not used to paying for art and access to art and um, the things we enjoy. Like we'll go and we'll go pay to see a show, but then that's it. That's the end of our relationship. It's um, we used to be in a place like historically where we had patrons who patronized the arts and, and supported artists in an ongoing way. And we're definitely hoping to kind of shift the paradigm and do that in a digital way. Um, But I envision probably Stagio is going to continue on um, more as a passion project for us while we might continue to do other things in the digital space as well. So both of us are uh, also in the digital space and also do consulting and things like that as well. So well, that that w- that takes me back to the original question, though. How do you prioritize what you're focused on? Because you can do so much, and and passion projects, you love them because they're so passionate, and you and they make you have you make you happy. But if it if passion project underneath the surface doesn't make a lot of money, so you have to do something else. I but- feel like this is a personal question for Alan, <laughs> who who has a very high profile tech job and also is the co founder for the Broadway Podcast Network and has two podcasts, yes. and so his passions. Right. Like, I think that feels very personal to you. Right, friend? Yes, absolutely. I'm, yeah. I'm getting a little mentor moment right here. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe and I'm trying to figure that out myself. Right. Like everybody's like on their own journey. And like, you know, certainly like a year ago or a year and a half ago when it was kind of pulling together this idea of Stagio, you know, there are things you can control uh, within a startup, uh, you know, the platform, the the technology, the logo, right? But there are things you can't control, collapse of the um, blockchain and NFT markets, right? So (laughs) there were things that I envisioned, and this is definitely a passion project. I think, personally, I look at it as a balance between my passions and what, how I can continue to my passions, and then also how do I continue to grow and build my career? Mm. Um, You know, I, I would be remiss to just put myself in, in this kind of area where I put blinders on around my passions and I don't give all my past successes and the things that I could bring maybe to the table to another company um, and put that away because I'm blinded by my own passions on just the things that I want to do. So it's, it's definitely a balance. And I think we, you know, even if, if we end up going on and pursuing some other things more full time as well, this is something that we're going to continue to work on Mm -hmm. and, and in, in the background. And I think it's totally possible to do more than one thing at once. So, of course, yeah, (laughs) I'm curious because so it it feels to me like Stagio is about making art more accessible on a more consistent basis. So part of it feels like it's the drive for performers and creators to have a wider financial opportunity to engage with their patrons more. But also the arts are not always achievable for mm-hmm. everybody. We can't all afford to see a show, even in your own right. little small town, wherever you are, right? Um, totally. Is that part of your motivation? A hundred percent. That whole access um, question is at the heartbeat of what we're doing in the company. And we continue to try to think about the ways that we could connect people to have more access. So originally with the digital collectibles, it was allowing 
you know, these great artists, some of which have won Grammys and Emmys to have access to individuals that might not be in New York. Um, but a lot of it now too, with how we're utilizing AI is to be that equalizer that we talk about to help people find access to the things that they can get access to. I would love to see a world where we can build out like, you know, getting, you know, tickets for kids to see their very first show, you know, things like that. So I think there's elements that, that, you know, that we'll continue to push into because unfortunately, because performing arts is a business, it's also can be very expensive. And, um, it I think be. that limits it and it is, <laughs> yeah, it is right. It, it is. And it weeds people out and it, it becomes, makes it more exclusive and, um, it, and it weeds the kids out that might go see that show and be like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do with my life yeah. and enter it. So I think we'll continue down that road. And this is where that passion comes in, right? Yeah. It's, it's like, how do we, how do we use technology to create the access, to create the opportunity? And we're going to continue to do that. I love I, that. I love that. Yeah, I love that too. All right. One more quick break. Hang on a second. All right. Here's the rest of the episode. I guess moving, moving forward into, into the space, right? It, right now we're recording there's there are multiple strikes going on ai and Correct. things that are are a lot of the crux of what they're striking over so how how are you conscientiously pushing forward with um building out the ai world and um especially with generative ai and deep fakes deep fakes have been around for years um how how are I guess, how are you balancing or what steps are you planning to take to ensure that, that it is used for good and not bad, right? Because we don't want to yeah. create a scenario where AI just becomes so great where you just like, ta it, you're typing in your, your text to podcast host intro service where it's like, he's super bubbly and he has, his voice is slightly <laughs> hoarse. Make, here's the intro text. Like, we don't want to replace right. people. How do you augment their lives versus replacing them? Yeah, and I mean, and I think there, there's a there's a couple things. There's one you can't solve for everything all at once. You know, there's there's two sides of an AI coin, um, and there are great challenges to where the moment we are in. We're in this incredibly like we're like in the shift of like the industrial age, right? Like this, we're at the beginning of an entirely new age of how we're going to interact with one another and how we're going to interact with technology that's happening like right now. Mm -hmm. um, and we're living through that. And with that comes a lot of great risk and a lot of great opportunity. And I think artists are correct to be concerned and correct to be striking around this technology in particular. Also, I just want to put a shout out for there for all those that are striking in that we think of artists and we try to, we tend to think of like the ones that are the most famous yeah. that make millions of dollars or the, the Broadway leads or the star opera singers where most, um, most performing artists and most actors, you know, if we're talking about um, SAG, most of them piece together and go from job to job. And they're in one episode of, of one, of one show. And then they make a bit appearance on a movie and then they're in a commercial, right? They are pulling together all of those, those pieces. And most artists are like that. 
we should be right to support them because they are hustling. And I know that has some people don't like that word anymore. No, but they are but hustling. They, they, are, they are hustling to make it work and they need to be supported and they need to have minimum rights and payments to doing the things that they, that they're doing. If they're just, if they're whatever they appear in is just going to be streamed, they need to be paid for those streams because it's not going to be showing on on TV, right? There's a lot, but on that, that AI section, you know, we can't solve for everything all at once as, as, as an individual. I think that this is for the overall industries and to uncover for governments to, to, better understand and these larger companies to have some ethics around. But the way I look at what we could do around AI is how can we utilize the technology to enable people to experience things in real life? So how does, how does this technology become a, an accelerating gateway to get you to the things that you're going to enjoy the most so you can continue to consume culture? And that's really what we're focused on with Stagio now is this kind of cultural experience how do we get you to the right things in the right time that's personalized to you so you continue to experience culture? So it's, it's, it, we're using it as more of a gateway and an enabler as opposed to an inhibitor, which on that two sides of the coin, it could be either. It depends on how you use the technology. It depends on if you're drunk and driving that Corvette or if you're sober. <laughs> I love yes. that. Someone's going to build a great car that's performed, that performs every, outperforms every other car and someone else can just go wrap it around a tree. Yep, you're exactly right. Exactly. But that feels really important to me, um, using it responsibly to make people's real lives more enriched and to Mm -hmm. give that access. And I just think that's, I think that's really cool. And it gives me a lot of hope that folks like you are out here using it when we, we talked about what's happening to Twitter X. What, what the fuck is it called? I don't know. The name Whatever. change took effect immediately. I read that. And so it's it just, is X now. It's just X. Okay, yeah. great. So there's that. And you know, there's he's that. out there playing with AI and doing all of this stuff and causing irreparable damage. But it's nice to know that there are people like you, Drew, who are using this <laughs> same technology and not just with what you're doing with Stadio, which I absolutely love, but all of your other things are here I mean, I, I get the impression from what you're saying that that underlying desire to use this tech tool to enrich people's real lives, that's your goal. Yes. And, and specifically around arts right now. But I think just in generally, I mean, that is the purpose of technology, right? To enable and make our lives better and easier. We just can't cross that line where we make our lives e- easier and then kind of somehow do irreparable harm at the same time. But like these tools can be utilized to enrich our lives. And that's what, that's what I'm trying to focus on. I love that. That's very cool. <laughs> well then I think you probably have a, um, a healthier or maybe not. I don't know. I, I won't presume <laughs> coming from the performance space. Like one of the final questions you always ask on the podcast, which I think you've heard is like, what's your relationship with failure? And I think, and I want, I want to differentiate because in the performance space and the creative space, I, I think rejection is different from failure. So how do you deal with, you're used to rejection all the time in the performance space or in the entrepreneurial space, but how do you deal with failure? What's your relationship with yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, first of all, definitely had the rejection um, within performing arts and definitely had the rejection within, you know, building a company, particularly around fundraising and, you know, for like, it's just like in arts, like for every 
one person that says yes, there's like 10 or 20 that say no, right? So I think people tend to think of failure in like this grandiose term that like either you succeed or you fail. But entrepreneurship is just a smattering of small failures like every day. And it's how you kind of take those failures and rework them into being a success. So in product design and engineering, um, the way you build is by testing fast, like failing fast. It's actually a term within technology. Mm -hmm. You build to fail. And then from those failures, you could succeed. You build something that's better. So, you know, I, I think if we all just overall stop thinking about like failure as like there's something to be so scared about that being open to these small failures um, it's not like it, it, there, it's not a binary choice. Either you fail or you succeed. It's like every day you're making small failures. There's things you could do better, but it's be, how you do those and how you learn from them that like make you better or an entrepreneurship, make you a better entrepreneur or in a, you know, product technologist or an operations person make you better at what you're doing, better products. It's, it's because you're like, Oh, well we could have done that feature better it didn't work quite right. That bug failed. Okay, well, let's fix it. And that's how you move forward. So I think, I think if we just move out of like being like, either I succeed or I fail, that, that, that those are the only two options. I think we could get to a place where, where we're more comfortable with failure and, and using those to, to be better. And that, that's how I like to think of it. Yeah, failures are stepping stones. Because you, you, they're learning moments that open, they're open more doors. One, one closed door is just another door open somewhere else. And yes, then, exactly. A window, and, if you will. And then you <laughs> embrace that chance, right? How do I get in? How do I try something different? Yeah, I love that. Well, I think Heather, it, it, in that chance, it's like it, being open to the chance, right? Like being open. A new door opens. Like maybe if a failure happens, a new door opens. But you have to be comfortable with walking through it, and yeah. that's the that's like taking the chance. And seeing it, right? Paying enough attention to go, oh, well, that didn't work, but maybe this one will. And just try. Possibility. It's all about possibility. Possibilities. Drew, I love that. This is so cool. How can folks follow along with you and what you're up to and find Stagio and all of that? How can people connect with you? Yes, you could um, come and visit us at stagio.com. Um, if you want to connect with me, I'm um, on social media, Drew Social, but I'm... Um, Drew A. Stern on LinkedIn and probably most active professionally on LinkedIn and would love to um, connect with anyone out there. Sweet. I am going to connect with you so hard. Alan has so many. (laughs) Just just be ready, Drew, because I was like, I know this is going to light his little brain right up. So uh, So many ideas. There are so so many many ideas. ideas. He's ready for you. Get ready. That's why I'm like, how do, how do you I, prioritize? I love, I love connecting. It's like, how do you prioritize? Because we're going to have to. You yeah. two could do some really cool things together. I will say that. I'm pretty excited to stand on the sidelines and see what happens. So, <laughs> Drew, thank you so much for, for being here and for sharing this journey with us. Um, really, really cool to meet you and see what you're up to. And now that I know you live down the street, maybe we can grab a drink sometime. That would be great. And it's <laughs> nice to finally meet you, Heather. Say hi to Bernadette for me. I will. And Alan, so great to meet you as well. And I look forward to connecting on all of these ideas. I am. Gonna, I, oh my gosh. We're gonna... You have no idea. You are unprepared <laughs> for the okay. tsunami that is Alan coming your way. All right. Thank you. Thank you. It was so nice to talk to you. Uh, and I guess now we hit stop recording. <laughs>
Yeah, ending these episodes is always so awkward. Thank you. Why was that so Did awkward? They? I don't know. You do all this right. all the time. That's so I know. funny. All right, and stop. <laughs> <laughs>Hello, Heather. My name is A.I. <laughs> Allen. So it turns out that that's not the kind of A.I. that Drew uses. But that was fun. That was a creative intro. I feel like by the time this episode airs, you and Drew will be in business in like five different ways together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one can only hope. No, I, I, I love what he was saying when he used an actually effective metaphor of using uh the car and driver uh metaphor right so you can build this beautiful beautiful car and you put some idiot behind the wheel or somebody who's going to use it maliciously and it's going to hurt people or be destroyed or use use it to destroy other things so yeah i i totally feel that i get that and um it's something that like the makers of of ai and whatnot now are, are really getting behind in terms of like you know forming more or less an ethics committee just to make sure that it is used by big business, big government for, for good. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very cool. I, I so admire those of you who can partner your passions, especially the artistic passions with your very brilliant techie creative brains, which of which I do not have, um, because I think there's so much opportunity for growth. And I really love this equity and access component of what of what Drew is doing. This was fun. Very, I don't I just don't think about things in that way. So I love seeing how all of that's coming together. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I enjoy the the digital collectibles called NFT 2.0, right? Like, yes. it's a smart idea. And, yeah. and there were there are people for a while that really got into it. And um, NFT is built on the blockchain tech, which is, of course, is like the underlying tech stack behind cryptocurrency, which is having its own sort of fall from grace at this moment. So especially in this tech startup world, you've got to be able to pivot and embrace the opportunities that come at you. And he's he's just doing that. Like he and his partner started this as a, as a project, a passion project, I guess. And instead of giving up on it, when when things get hard they're like all right how can we adapt how can we yeah. pull in this new opportunity and this new piece and gosh when it comes to tech obviously right now we are we are still in the wild west of the tech and and especially ai ai is in its infancy we're in the wild west of of tech deployment and automation um i'm i'm traveling right now which is why it may sound a little different i'm on a not my normal microphone and they, I got upgraded to a Tesla. First time I've driven a Tesla. Ooh. And the thing, I turned on autopilot and I was like... Did it terrify it, you? It terrified me in the most exciting way. <laughs> because I literally drove... I mean, I was very safe and didn't take my eyes off the road. But I wanted to see how little I could drive while still, you know, like just sitting in the driver's seat. And I sat there and drove, you know, 30 minutes with one finger resting on the steering wheel because it needs to feel at least a hand, something on the wheel to know you're not like stepping out of the driver's seat, <laughs> climbing out of the driver's seat. But yeah, it's it's an insane, it's insane tech. And, you know, we talked sort of about the, the Twitter X, you know, oh. Elon Musk sort of bullshit. But like, there's there's some good crazy in there that has evolved and changed the world. And can be used for good. But you just got to keep on doing that. And don't be an idiot and buy a platform just to put all your 
your right wing <laughs> nut job friends back on the internet. Yeah. And yeah. I just think it's all really cool. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch how it unfolds. Mm -hmm. And I love our podcast because we get to have so many cool conversations with so many people. Folks, we want to hear from you. We want to hear how you're out taking intentional risk, embracing opportunity. What did you think of this episode? Like, what's your relationship with AI and how does it cross over for you? Alan, how can folks find us? On uh, the IGs. Um, was it chance slipping into our DMs? Let us know you're listening. Share, uh, tag us in your stories when you're posting your screenshots of listening. We'll reshare that. And on Gamail, was it chance podcast at gamail.com. Speaking of AI, we use Gmail. Uh, yeah, Google, Google's pretty good. Gamail. It's, it's yeah, like Galinda, but it's Galinda. Gmail. Yeah. I was going to say, Google's, Google's really good, at least as far as I know, in terms of. Um, not not being evil with the way it's developing but that's a whole separate episode it is so. a whole separate episode all right folks you've been listening to was it chance the podcast about taking intentional risk for creative success i'm heather vickery and i'm ai Alan seals <laughs> we'll talk to you soon folks bye-bye <laughs> bye Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E 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 org because only together we rise.